Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Decoding Society. This is your host, D'Angelo Starnes, and today is January 20th, 2018. And um, happy birthday to my late grandfather, um, uh, Pastor Bishop, uh, A.W. Martin, Albert William Martin, uh, would have been 96 today. And um, this uh, weekend uh, is particularly... uh, this time period is particularly uh, relevant. Uh, yesterday was my birthday, January 19th. My father, my late father's is January 22nd. And so, uh, you know, these kinds of uh, instances uh, always produce some form of reflection. And this week was a powerful uh, week of reflection in that, uh, I think, uh, Monday uh, was Martin Luther King's birthday, and it was, you know, the, his birth, his actual birthday fell on the actual, his holiday, the, the King, federal King holiday, uh, fell on his actual birthday, which was rare. And um, so when, during this time, it kind of begins, the, the King holiday begins to push forward a, a reflection on, uh, actually it pushes forward about a six-week uh, period in America where uh, there's a focus, somewhat intense focus, uh, very degrees of uh, black history, uh, African-American history, Africans in American history um, in the United States. I guess I said African-American, right? So, Black people's history in the United States, and uh, so it can be powerful to uh, to shift that focus uh, to that time. Actually, it it even gets, it, you could really say that time period kicks in uh, the last week of December with uh, the celebration of Kwanzaa, and uh, so you have these reflections and thoughts and focuses on. Um, on, like I said, black history, and uh, this year was no different, and uh, I was really heartened uh, to see, and it's been a trend, it seems, uh, this reflection of Martin, on Martin Luther King, uh, the focus on his more radical, so to speak, ideas, um, and I'm looking for an article right now, so bear with me. I type this search in um, uh, on uh, King. So a lot of times, uh, and I think a few years ago, um, uh, Cornell West uh, put out an article uh, called The uh, Santa Clausification of Martin Luther King. And uh, in that, the, the, the premise of that, um, of that article uh, was uh, that uh, that uh, that you know there's this this portrait of Martin Luther King as this uh, as this safe 
a civil rights leader uh, focus on his, his, his theme of love, uh, bringing the races together, and um, how he had a dream that equality in America often cite his I have a dream speech. And, um, and that in and of itself is kind of a mistake because the I it became known as the I have a dream speech, but really the speech was uh, a check cashing speech. We came to cash a check that has been returned to black America for non-sufficient funds. That was the theme of the speech at the March on Washington for Jobs, Freedom, and Justice in 19, August of 1963. Um, and so, so, and then, you know, as usual, this time of year, you'll hear politicians during the Martin Luther King holiday uh, praise King and and even this year, the Cheeto lunatic, a.k.a. Donald Trump, uh, made a similar phrase. And many conservative GOP and everybody, you know, racist alike, you know, uh, come together and say what a great man Dr. Martin Luther King was. And that's not a truth that he was a great man. But uh, people lose, people, there's often the Santa Clausification loses sight of the fact that Martin Luther King didn't uh, stop being who he was um, that day in August of 1963 when he gave the Chet Cashin speech, um, more popularly known as I Have I Have a Dream speech. In fact, he uh, continued to evolve. Um, as, as you know, uh, he came to national prominence in the 50s um, when he uh, helped engineer or Focus uh, the Montgomery bus boycott, um, which was a fight against the uh, sitting at the back of the bus, and uh, and it seems to peak for people in 1963, and then he received the Nobel Peace Prize after that. But uh, you know, as he became more of a national leader, he took on more complex. He, he began to realize how complex. Uh, the fight for equality in America was for black people, and, and that it wasn't just a matter of Jim Crow law, that there was a very intricate uh, system, one that we come to fully formalize as the system of white supremacy. So uh, after that, you know, we... we we have the um, his speech at Riverside Church uh, condemning the war against Vietnam. Uh, we have him organizing the Poor People's March, which led to his assassinates. Uh, so we are beginning to see people focus on his more radical ideas, and especially now in times where uh, the wealth and income inequality in the United States is uh, greater than it has been since the Gilded Age. Um, and so we are often lose sight of that because of this. this we, we feel it, we see it, but we don't fight against it uh, as we did back in the 60s. 
uh, for various reasons. And so King's uh, post-check cashing day uh, speech, um, those words are, are more prescient now, uh, more relevant now, more powerful now, uh, more applicable now, uh, or just as. And so uh, returning to those ideas is, is, is very, uh, very, very necessary. Uh, so I wanted, there's a, there, I found the article. There's a, so one of the articles that got passed about on social media uh, in discussing Martin Luther King is, uh, on, can be found on alternate, uh, alternate.org. Might have a hard time finding it because uh, ultimate.org, that is, uh, because uh, Google uh, has uh, fixed its algorithms where uh, as, uh, sites such as Ultimate are hard to find from um, a Google search. Form of censorship is a response to this contrived notion of fake news. Uh, I would call a lot of what you hear mainstream news. Fake news. Uh, fake news really is a term of art or derision. Uh, it's a weaponized term. Uh, it's, uh, it's a dragnet type of term. Uh, there is that points away from uh, really uh, a focus or from uh, what you read in the mainstream. So a lot of what you get in the mainstream news is uh, misinformation. Not all of it, but a lot of it, and, and, and there's a lot of suppressed information. So it points away from sites like Ultimate. In any event, I'm going to read some of these quotes. Uh, number one, quote, why is equality so assiduously avoided? Why does America delude itself, and why does it rationalize the evil it contains? The majority of Americans consider themselves sincerely committed to justice for the Negro. They believe that America's society is essentially hospitable to fair play and to steady growth towards a middle-class utopia embodying racial harmony. But unfortunately, this is a fantasy of self-deception and comfortable vanity. That comes from his book, Where Do We Go From Here? And so, which was put out in 1967. And so at this point, you know, uh, folks have been, a lot of people forget when they celebrate Martin Luther's childhood day, is that he didn't get a lot of support from uh, a uh, from the, the larger population, uh, white people and some black people were frankly uh, thinking that quote he was going too fast, uh, pushing for progress too fast. Uh, I don't know what too fast means, and I'm certain that it was a source of contention and frustration the people at that time because, uh, you know, you come out of 400 years of slavery and oppression. Uh, you come out of another, at that point, what, 100 years of Jim Crow and Reconstruction. Uh, what's the, you know, and then you get this intense push to, to overturn hundreds of years, generations of this oppression, and it's too fast. <laughs> Well, about the people like us who've been who've been under the crack of the whip, it ain't too fast. So uh, that just goes to show you the notion that you know a push for equality 
makes white people, a lot of white people feel very uncomfortable because they're comfortable in that privilege. They don't even realize it. Uh, number two, I contend that the cry of black power is at the bottom, a reaction to the reluctance of white power to make the kind of changes necessary to make justice a reality for the Negro. I think that we've got to see that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is, the, what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the economic plight of the Negro poor has worsened over the last few years. This came from 1966 during an interview with Mike Wallace. Number three, but it is not enough for me to stand before you tonight and condemn riots. It would be morally irresponsible for me to do that without, the same, without at the same time, condemning the contingent and tolerable conditions that exist in our society. These conditions are the things that cause individuals to feel that they have no other alternative than to engage in violent rebellion, to get attention. And I must say tonight that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it that America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that the large segments of white society are more concerned about the tranquility and status quo than about justice and humanity. Quote, that's from the other American, 1968. Number four, when machines and computers, profit motives and property rights are considered more important than people, giant triplets of racism, extreme materialism, and militarism are incapable of being conquered. Quote, quote, revolution of values. 1967. That's right now. Uh, number five. Again, we have deluded ourselves into believing the myth that capitalism grew and prospered out of the Protestant ethic of hard work and sacrifice. The fact is that capitalism was built on the exploitation and suffering of black slaves and continues to thrive on the exploitation of the poor, both black and white, both here and abroad. That's from the Three Evils of Society, 1967. That's right now. Number six, a nation that continues year after year to spend more money on military defense than on programs of social uplift is approaching spiritual death. That's from beyond Vietnam, 1967. That's right now. We're seeing that play out with this government shutdown. Quote, whites, it must frankly be said, are not putting in similar mass effort to re-educate themselves out of their racial ignorance. It is an aspect of their sense of superiority that the white people of America believe that they have so little to learn. The reality of substantial investment to assist Negroes into the 20th century, now the 21st century, adjusting to Negro neighbors and genuine school integration is still a nightmare for all too many white Americans. These are the deepest causes for contemporary abrasions between the races. Loose and easy language about equality, resonant resolutions about brotherhood fall pleasantly on the ear, but for the Negro, there is a credibility gap he cannot overlook. He remembers that with each modest advance, the white population promptly, with each modest advance, the white population promptly raises the argument that the Negro has come far enough. Each step forward accents an ever-present tendency to backlash. Where do we go from here? 1967. 
number seven. The quote, the problems of racial injustice and economic injustice cannot be solved without a radical redistribution of political and economic power. Three evils of society, 1967. That's right now. Number eight, the evils of capitalism as the evils of are as real as the evils of militarism and the evils of racism. Speech before the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, 1967. Finally, number nine. First, I must confess that over the past few years, I've gravely, I've been gravely disappointed with the white moderate. That's the Democratic Party. I've almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the Negro's great stumbling block in his stride toward freedom is not the white citizens counselor or the Ku Klux Klanner but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers a negative peace, which is the absence of tension, to a positive peace, which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom, who lives by a mythical concept of time and who constantly advises the Negro to wait for a more convenient season. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from the people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. That's from, uh, that was uh, curated on Alternate. Alternate.org, uh, entitled Nine MLK Quotes, the Mainstream Media Won't Cite. And it's uh, from December 16th of 2000. So I'm, you know, uh, we have to pick up on these notions that uh, Dr. King espoused. And, and, uh, because uh, that's right now. That's 50 years ago. 50 years ago. 5 0. Um, as I said, you know, birthday reflections, uh, you know, when I think about 1968, that was a significant year. It was blazing as the year of significance for a variety of reasons, including Dr. King's assassination, uh, the riots at the Democratic Convention in Chicago, the assassination of Robert F. Kennedy, uh, the riots post uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination. Some of the uh, fallout from all of the above, and uh, and how uh, I was a young uh, person uh, when that went down. Obviously, oblivious to it because of the youth. But as I grew up, you know those those memories of of what had occurred uh, in 1968 were fresh and were taught and. As I've gotten older, and this year in particular, uh, it blew my mind that that's actually 55 zero years ago. Um, perspective, um, 50 years prior to 1968 was the end of World War One. Think of how ancient that seems uh, to you right now. So, you know, during... Uh, so I bring that up because, uh, you know... During that time, uh, so on Monday, uh, 
that was Martin Luther King's birthday was or holiday and birthday was Monday. Uh, I then happened to watch uh, the outstanding film by Raul Peck um, documentary called I Am Not Your Negro, which is a uh, video expository on uh, unfinished essay that James Baldwin um, wrote, um, which was a reflection on his relationship with uh, Mega Evers, Malcolm X, Martin King Jr. And and during the course of that um, documentary, uh, you see a, a part, there are a lot of images of what was occurring during that time, the marches, uh, street marches, uh, the, the visceral and public uh, displays of violence towards uh, peaceful protests uh, by white citizens and authorities, uh, not just cops, cops, you know, bringing, do- you know, sicking dogs on, 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 on people that, on children. Um, water hoses, high-pressure water hoses are blasting into people. Very violent arrest, um, being executed. Um, it, 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 you know, those images were shown to uh, the nation. Uh, when I was a young man, uh, even into the 80s. And and going back to those times, you, you realize how sick those people are, were and are. Uh, that documentary was interspersed with uh, images from the recent uh, um, street protest in Ferguson uh, in reaction to Michael Brown's murder. So you know, it, the bravery that was that was exhibited by those people in the face of that violence uh, it caused me to reflect on what's happening now. Um, it's 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 well known that we have a racist in the White House, but it's not that you know he. It's not that we haven't had racists in the White House since then. I mean, people forget about Ronald Reagan. Both. President Bush's, President George Bush the first, he he was losing uh, in the polls uh, his his race against Michael Dukakis before you know Lee Atwater uh, unleashed uh, Willie Horton ads. They got people scared, and that race that's racist. You know Bill Clinton. You know I, I still don't understand how people called him the first black president uh, unleashed um, the crime bill. In this country, with the help of quote democratic support, Joe Biden, everybody's favorite uncle, uh, wrote uh, well, he led the writing of that bill. Lobbyists, um, and, so, and 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 how that mass incarceration and and and, and the, uh, the war on drugs and so we've had races of presidents. Just as racist as Donald Trump. His, but the difference is, is he's out front with it. He speaks what these guys think. He's the id of these these white supremacists that run the government, that run society, oligarchs. And he he's not doing it by himself. 
He has a whole government that he's in charge of that um, <laughs> that are that are that are you know doing ice raids against brown people. Um, you know, he's in charge of a justice department that said it's going that said it's it's not going to uh, comply with. Uh, these recent, um, gosh, what's the term? Uh, consent or consent decrees with these police departments that the Obama administration belatedly uh, got involved with. Uh, that they're going to, to roll back any reforms to these police procedures whereby violent, uh, taxpayer uh, funded violence um, by police officials. Uh, go unpunished and, and, and flourish, um, and and so you know, and it kills me when you know um, uh, I've seen several postings on social media of, of, about black folks talking about you know um, let Donald Trump know that this is not your granddaddy's Negro or black person. You'll catch these hands. And I just want to tell those people, you know, what the fuck are you talking about? Do you watch. I am not your Negro. Watch any of this archival footage. Read those quotes by Dr. King. I ain't seen none of these people talking about you're going to catch these hands in the street. Lead a protest. I ain't seen them lead a protest against cop shootings happen, cop murders, murders, state-sanctioned murders of black people who are not committing violence who are unarmed, occur at traffic stops almost weekly. I ain't seen none of these, this ain't your granddaddy's black people in the streets leading the protest. So stop talking that shit. Anyway, that's a little diversion. But it just goes to the point, we don't have any of these black Black people have become very apathetic. And we're on the bottom rung Still, of economic statistics, which includes employability, income, uh, during the, the foreclosure crisis, what little wealth we were able to accumulate was, you know, in the equity of, of our homes. We all, that got wiped out. See any black people taken to the streets? We had a black president said, talk down to black people, said people were going, not just black people, but talk down to people and say hey, a lot of people bought homes that they couldn't have that it were irresponsible when they bought homes as if they gave themselves that money as if they were the ones that induced uh, who were uh, who, who went to the banks and say hey I sure would like to take out some more money out of my out of my house banks actively uh, uh, marketed loans that ended up white uh, ended up uh, causing people to lose their homes and it's black people take the streets for that. God, I mean, so um, we got to get back to what we were doing in the 50s when we were being you know, lynched, because we're still being lynched by cops, by drugs, by poverty. Um, by gentrification. Uh, so that brings me to another uh, special I watched last night, American Masters. 
which was a, a documentary about the life of Lorraine Hansberry. Lorraine Hansberry is the author of the famous play, Raising the Sun. A very, very deep uh, play. A lot of information. And uh, again, it was, it was back to uh, a reflection on those times. Uh, Lorraine Hansberry, uh, as, as I saw, came from very strong boots. Her father, Carl Hansberry, um, was a uh, somewhat well-to-do uh, real estate person in Chicago and fought discrimination. And, uh, and, and you know, as a result, pushed to get housing uh, discrimination, fought against housing discrimination in Chicago. Uh, she was a journalist uh, for uh, Freedom, uh, the Freedom Periodical, uh, which uh, was uh, run by Paul Robeson. And, um, and even despite her success with the Raising in the Sun, uh, was wavering in her support and advocacy uh, for the civil rights movement. In fact, she helped raise money, as it was found out, uh, to purchase a car for CORE, and, um, or SNCC, I forgot which one. And the car, that very car was the car that the three civil rights workers in who were murdered in Mississippi were driving. Um, so, it, so we get back to, so, so these, this reflection on, on Dr. King, on James Baldwin, and his reflection on Mega Evers and Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and then this, this documentary on Lorraine Hansberry, you know, harkens back to a time of 50-plus years ago. And we're still going through the same thing. Well, we got people talking about this ain't your granddaddy's Negro. You're right. You're not. <laughs> You're not even close. You're not that we, we need to get into the streets. And, and we need to start coming together and, and, and working uh, uh, to, to reverse this problem because it ain't getting better right now. You know, which uh, brings me to another significant uh, matter that occurred this week during this reflection period, uh, was the extension of the uh, FISA warrantless uh, spying bill. And what's FISA? FISA stands for Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. So let's break that down. Foreign, which is non-U.S. Intelligence, information, surveillance, spying, information gathering. That's non so it's non-U.S. Information Spying Act. Uh, what that means is that uh, it, it authorized uh, the National Security Agency, the NSA, to, uh, to, to gather information about uh, communications, communications being phone calls, emails, texts, um, if uh, of, of any U.S. citizen making contact with somebody who wasn't uh, but what in the, so without a warrant, <laughs> so, so that's some bullshit because in the Fourth Amendment is search and seizure. You got to get a warrant if, if you, you got to get a warrant if you, to 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 invade somebody's communications because that's considered private and uh, considered a, a privacy right, uh, and you have to uh, establish probable cause uh, that 
something in this instance regarding national security is 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 at threat to allow you to access those communications. And so the NSA, what a lot of people don't realize is that, so the NSA, and as Edward Snowden told us, the NSA has got all of our, it surveils all of our communications, uh, regardless of where they emanate and end up. Um, so, but in any event, uh, the, the FBI has access to those records. And they ask, the FBI is supposed to get a warrant to access those records under FISA. And they go to this FISA court. And the FISA court is not a court that you can walk into and witness a discussion about the obtaining of this warrant or even have it as a public record signed off on by a judge. The FISA court is a, it's a secret court. Now, some FBI agents contend that it's difficult to get a FISA warrant, but it's not difficult for them to get FISA warrant. I think 98%, well, let me not say it, over 90% of the uh, requests for warrants are granted, basically with rubber stamps. That's, that's an admission. They just don't want to go through the hoop of even putting the paperwork in to get a warrant. When they say it's difficult, that's because they don't want to go through the, the to do the paperwork to do that. But they, you know, but but let's let's be clear here. These guys are accessing your shit anyway. They're accessing your, the guy access to emails and they're gonna look through it anyway. So what they do now, so what the FBI does is uh, they access that in, that that database that the NSA has collected, which is everybody's communications in whatever form that is, and they do a keyword search. So they, nowadays you got this uh, Russia gate bullshit. So you know you might be doing a keyword search for in emails for uh, Vladimir Putin or Russia or Russian interference with elections. They, that that allows them to access your your the thing or ISIS or Muslims. But don't forget that what happened late last year. It was revealed that. The FBI is turning its focus on to what? Black identity extremists. What the fuck does that mean? What does that mean? It's open-ended. That means whoever I think is a threat is an extremist. If they're black and I identify as being black, I mean, does that mean black church too? Anyway, they've, they've, they've resurrected this COINTELPRO to the extent that I was even not viable. Uh, they've resurrected this COINTELPRO hysteria and focus on people like Black Lives Matter. Maybe this show. And so what's going to happen when they got, when they backdoor that NSA uh, database doing keyword searches because they got to focus on black identity? I think the word Martin Luther King might not uh, ignite some form of surveillance of the emails, Malcolm X, Black Lives Matter, cop shootings, Obama, black church, and where does it stop? So they renewed that this week, and I think Donald Trump signed it either yesterday or this morning. 
So it's on. And they know and, and and you know why there's going to be this new focus and it's open under this administration? Because they know the shit is really fucked up out there. And they know if it was them that this was happening to, that's what that what's happening to black people is happening to them, that they would be in the street. Lucky for them, you got television and Snapchat, Facebook, toxic food, economic insecurity, you know, scrambling to work three or two or three jobs uh, to make a living, homelessness, gentrification, keep you all kind of like off balance and distracted so you can't organize against all this. Anyway, not your granddaddy's, not your granddaddy's Negro, black person. I'm not a slave. You're right. You might be worse. You need to wake up. All right. So uh, that's this week's show. Uh, tie it all together. It's a good time to reflect on Martin Luther King's nine. Check cashing day. And you could read. Hey, actually, you should read the check cashing uh, uh, speech. Um, I have a dream. that's kind of an improvisation in the end, uh, where you know, I think he may have spoken about this. Encouraged. Thinks might say, "Tell him about the dream, Mark." He, he just went off script with it. But read, read the first part of that speech. He, he's talking some shit. Um, anyway, that's our show. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, Chris will be back with us. And uh, you can subscribe to the Decoding Society on iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you very much. Have a good day.